focus on being your best friend. Focus on loving yourself and, and knowing that you are in control of yourself and nobody else. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Mindful Tribe, we're here with a man who has struggled. He's struggled with a lot of pain in his life. He's had a lot of challenges, and yet he has this resilience. He has this strength. He has this quality that I can tell you I admire and I don't know him that well but I'm looking forward to getting to know him a lot better and I'm sure you're going to enjoy getting to know him I'm here with Tally Anderson Tally are you in mindfulness mode today oh I'm definitely in mindless mode today Bruce Um, I'm just I'm excited to be here I really am and I'm excited too because I know that you've had years of, of study and trial and error and you've searched in your life to find what was missing and, and you've achieved a lot of things in your life. And I'm excited to talk about all those things. But before we do, what does mindfulness mean to you, Tally? Um, mindfulness to me is really, I think, being aware of yourself. Um, I think so So much we try to pay attention to everything that's going on around us that we completely forget what's going on inside of us. And I think that mindfulness brings us back to ourselves, um, which is really, you know, the most powerful place to be. A little bit more about you before we get into the interview. I know that you're... You say in your bio, your circumstances didn't change, but you got into alignment with your true self. And now you want to empower others to take full control of their lives and become masters of their lives. You want to help right. people live with more purpose, more passion, and more fulfillment. And to do that, you're launching something called Power Alignment Blueprint. So we're going to be talking about that. But yes. Let's talk a little bit about where you've been, about some of this struggle, some of this pain. Yeah. I'm very, very interested in, in starting there and hearing from you. What happened? What was your life like when you were a younger man, Tally? Mm -hmm. um, my life, there was a lot of, a lot of drama. Um, my father wasn't necessarily really around. Um, there was a lot of issues there and a big part of when he left, um, I kind of probably one of those children. I kind of blame myself and things. Mm -hmm. And for most of my life, I would say my first 21 years of my life, I like just didn't like myself. I hated myself. Um, I didn't think that anybody would care if I was even around. Um, I had an older brother and my sister, she passed away a little over five years ago. Um, they had their own struggles, so I was kind of on my own. And, um, you know, so I found my value in just doing things for others. You know, I was blessed to be, you know, good at school, I was good at sports. And one thing is that I always, I always, I didn't want people to feel like I felt. So I would always be there for other people, whether you were, you know, the cool kid, the geek, the loser, it didn't matter. Um, I wanted to make sure that you so alone in the world as, as I did. Um, you didn't feel like the world was just against you and, and hated you. And, and, you know, you were just one that was not important um, in the world, you know? Yeah. And so that was, I look back at it now and that was kind of, I look at it as part of my training for the things that I'm, I'm doing today because it forced me to understand people, it forced me to connect with people on a deeper level. Um, it forced me to learn how to give them power, even though I would look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day and I didn't have any of that, you know, and um, I had to come to the point where I had to go out and find that for myself and, and, you know, because I couldn't continue to live the way I was living. Um, I couldn't continue to wait the way to, to feel the way I was feeling um, every single day of my life. And when did that revelation come to you? How old were you? 
Um, it was around around the 21 uh, years of age. It was when I was in college. Um, I started doing things like when I went to college, I felt like I had a new start. You know, nobody knew me. Yeah. So I tried to just be more confident mm-hmm. and people bought it. Um, <laughs> people really thought I was confident, but I really, really wasn't. Um, and then, you know, I, I got into the Bible and because I was like, there has to be more to, to life than this. Um, cause even in high school, you know, it was kind of the popular kids, like I said, did sports and all that, but it, it, it was all empty. Mm. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I need to go find my father because that was a big part of why I started down this wrong path. Yes. Um, so I eventually found him. We met, we talked for a while. That completely blew up in my face. What, what happened? Um, what was that like? He was, he was, I, he was dealing with a lot of, um, a lot of anger. There's a lot of things that he was going through. And so where you would think after 14 years of not seeing and talking, there was like a kind of rejoining and, um, you know, we can talk and we can build as grown men. Mm-hmm. But um, after that first conversation for the next three to five years, it was essentially um, I was part of his target for his anger. Oh, wow. Um, And so what that taught me (laughs) was I, I kept trying to forgive him. Yeah. Every single time it would blow up and there was things that were said that that shouldn't be said. Um from a father to a son. And each time I would just um, find forgiveness because again, I knew being angry for the 14 years that I was and having that hate in my heart for the 14 years didn't help me. Yeah. So it didn't make more sense to just go ahead and be angry again. And I saw what it was, what it was doing to him. Um, And I, I didn't want to continue that. So that taught me, forgiveness. So did you start Um, that relationship with your father out at age 21 by being vulnerable? Because I know you talk a lot about vulnerability. Is that how you kind of approached it? I approached it as I was hoping, you know, I have an engineering mind, right? uh, (laughs) So I was like, it was, it was just a piece of the puzzle. It's like, okay, if I, I move this piece and it caused me pain, if I put this piece back, we connect then that should be fixed. Yes. Right. It w- was my mindset. You wanted to um, fix that it. That didn't work. Yeah. I totally and, yeah, get that. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to fix it. And it's like, cause uh, I found, I found, you know, the backtrack I found in my life, every time somebody would c- get close, whether it be a male friend or, or a female relationship, I would either disappear or push them away somehow. Okay. And I knew that was part of it. So I just wanted to fix it. Um, the vulnerability came later when, when um, one, I had kids. Um, I have two daughters, eight and four. Okay. And I knew I needed to be open for them. And the other part came from, I was always in a state of, you know, I just, what's the next task I need to do? And again, I kind of mentioned it was so empty. Everything was always just so empty, no matter what I achieved in my life. And I needed to, I needed to learn how to feel. That's when the vulnerability came in. I needed to really learn like what was actually going on on the inside. How do how do I actually feel? What do I even feel about any of this? You know, how do you connect to, to kids when you're not being a vulnerable? I can say all the right things. I can, you know, do all the right actions, but there always be a space between us. And I didn't want that uh, as a father. You know, I wanted them to know in their hearts that like I am there, Yes. you know, for anything. And what role did mindfulness play in your, in your uh, position as a father? Really slowing down and paying attention to what I was thinking. Um, really slowing down and questioning why I was doing certain things or questioning why I was feeling a certain way. And, you know, I would say in general, as men, you know, we get taught in a, in a way not to really feel, 
to just be men of action, to be men of, you know, you just show confidence and you conquer. Right. That's what you do. If you don't do that, you're not manly. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like, it's not true. Yes. Um, and just being able to to slow down and say, well, no, I like tell like, who the, who the heck are you? Like, okay, you like that. Like, why do you like that? Okay. You, you know, you don't want to do this. Why, why does when she says this, that frustrates you? Why does that trigger you? Um, you know, when your kids do this, why, do, why does that annoy you? <laughs> you know, yeah. it allowed me to look at my beliefs and cause that's where a lot of it comes from, you know? Yeah. Um, so as a father, did you struggle with your anger? Um, I didn't only because growing up, I had my, my one fear that I would say I had growing up was being like my father. Right. So I was a person that was always nonchalant about everything. Uh, I was the chill dude. Yeah. Even if, even if I had anger boiling underneath, I was actually honestly scared to get into fights because I knew I had a lot of anger uh, boiling underneath. And that I knew if like, if it came out on a high level, I don't know if I'll be able to stop it. So I buried and buried and buried and buried everything, right. you know? And how did you get to the point where you stopped burying everything and you started to kind of reach your true feelings and connect? If any, if there was any hint of, I guess, emotion or something going on, honestly, I would, I would try to just, just feel it and just let it come out. I would try to just be honest. I would be authentic. Um, And being authentic is also too balancing what's relative, right? Was um, because just being authentic and just saying every tiny thing that little comes out of my mouth is not going to be helpful for anybody. But, <laughs> but at the same time, um, you know, if I'm feeling frustration about something, it's like, okay, just let myself feel it and try to understand where, where it's coming from. You know, um, there was a lot of times I would just go out at night and, go to like to a basketball court mm-hmm. for like an hour or two and shoot around and just talk to myself, talk to God and just try to try to have it make sense. I, I, I started writing a lot of poetry. Oh, did you? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, that was one way that I connected with my emotions and my feelings and um, was able to express myself. But again, before I would also just bury it. I would hide it away after I wrote it. I would never look at it again. Oh yeah. Some people started finding it and it started actually, they started gaining some strength from it. So I started sharing it. Um, but it was things through poetry, things through just spending time by myself. And that's a lot of people are afraid to be by themselves, you know? Um, and they, they feel that everything that they feel and they think is just who they are, which I don't necessarily agree with. I think we're, we're, we're separate from our thoughts in a way that, cause sometimes I'm sure you've been there, Bruce, where you like, like, why did I just think that? Yes. Like, why, like, what the heck was that? Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> you know, we all, we all have that and just being mindful of, okay, every single thought, is not necessarily my value system is not just who I am is not my identity. Um, and being able to question that gives us more space to see who we actually truly are, you know? Right. So sports and writing that seemed to be like a mindful connection to yourself. Was there anything else? Is there other, any other creative element that you, that you reached for that helped you? Yeah, I used to I used to draw all the time too. Oh, did you? I used to draw all the time, yeah. Yeah, and um I actually got certified in in 2D animation. Oh. Um yeah, yeah, a few years back, back in 2011. And um I plan to actually get back into it, but but not yet. I'm too busy right now, but um but art art was definitely I think honestly it really came down to anything that I could do to spend time by myself, mm-hmm. you know, and allow my thoughts to flow. Right. Where, 
because whether I was shooting around kind of questioning things, again, I separated kind of my, my thoughts and what was going on from myself and just kind of question what's going on. With the poetry, you know, um, there was a lot of questions, but um, again, I don't, I don't know if you're religious at all, but you know, in, in the Psalms, David writes a lot and there's a lot at the beginning, there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of like, God, like, where are you? What's going on? And by the end of most of the Psalms is like, okay, I see, like, I see where you were. I see why this happened. I see how I'm growing from this. Um, and that's how a lot of my poetry ended up being, where the beginning is a lot of frustration, a lot of confusion, and it would eventually lead into some kind of like, all right, I see, I see what's going on here. It may not be pleasant, but I, I see it, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was, that, that's what became very therapeutic for me. It was a lot of just the questioning, um, not just accepting how I feel, but questioning how I feel, you know? So do you see yourself as a deeply religious, deeply Christian man? Um, I see, I'm careful with that because yeah. that means so many things to so many people, right. so many different things to so many different people. I, I do believe in God. Um, I do believe in Jesus. Um, and I think, honestly, when I read the Bible, um, I, I feel like it's more about us than it is about God, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, showing us what we're capable of, mm -hmm. telling us what we're capable of as people, telling us how to live in a certain way that brings the best out of ourselves so we can be the best for the people around us and we can make a big impact in life so we can live healthy and all those things. Um, and Jesus was a perfect example of that, of how, how we do that and how we live that yeah, life. For sure. Um, you know, even, even, um, in Philippians four, eight, when it, you know, talks about, you know, um, to keep your mind on what's pure and what has good value and what has, um, all the, all the positive things and that peace will be with you. And it's like, okay, we have a choice. We can focus on this negative output or we can focus on what could possibly good come out of it and say, okay, if I focus on that, doesn't mean that the negative is gone. doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But if I keep my focus on this, then I have a higher potential of bringing that to pass. You know, I have a higher potential of having peace about the situation because I see a possible positive outcome. You know, yeah. I look, I look at my past and throughout all, all the junk you know, and there's a lot I don't go into detail because of my family and other stuff like that. And I'm, you know, leaving that stuff confidential. But, sure. um, but I see growth. I see reasons. I see how that has shaped me to connect with so many people. Because we don't connect on our, our victories, really. We connect on our pains. Mm. You know, yeah. we connect on our struggles. Right. Is prayer a big part of your life? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I pray, pray every morning. I pray every night. Um, you know, I still feel like there's, there's for me, there's still questions that um, I still have. And, you know, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm seeking, I think it's going to be a forever journey that I'm seeking. And I'm also, then also too, I guess when you say, say deep religious, deep, deeply Christian, you know, I've, I've read the Quran, mm -hmm. um, you know, I read other books by you know, like Napoleon Hill or mm -hmm. James Allen and other stuff like that. There's some people that they stay so rigid that um, they won't allow themselves to even read or look at anything else. Right. Out of fear. Right. You know, and I don't think that is healthy either. Yeah. Um, so to you is prayer and meditation the same thing, a similar thing, or a completely different thing? I think the focus is different. I think the I think when we're praying, we we are speaking uh, to God. We're speaking from our heart. We're speaking from inside. And when we meditate, um, we're listening more. And I think I think the whole time, honestly, 
I want to be able to do both at the same time. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, um, because I always want to answer and I want to answer now, which is not realistic, but I still want it. But um, <laughs> but um, I think really the prayer is is us expressing our hearts. And um, also to to get a little deeper into that, I think we also need to be very aware, right, of when we pray, what kind of space that we're in. And, um, you know, there's a part of the Bible that says that, you know, you're, you have your, your spirit, your spirit knows God's spirit and the, the spirit knows the father. Right. And it's like, there's, there's levels and you speak to your spirit in essentially in pictures, your faith, when you believe in something, you see it as a picture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those pictures in my, in my weird belief system, right. That goes up and that gets translated into the spiritual world. Right. And um, the energy that we have behind things, because your most painful uh, experiences are the experiences that you remember most or your most joyful. Okay. Your emotional power stamps in that, those thoughts, those beliefs and such. And when we're in a defeated mentality and we pray for something positive, we're sending a message of defeat, even though we say positive words with it, you know? Um, and it's things that people, again, they don't really pay attention to when we live in that defeated or down space, we have to change our energy so that we actually have a heart, the emotion, the power, emotional power, um, that lines up with the things that we're, we're seeking, you know, with the positive result. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm just going to cut in here. Have you ever struggled with being stuck? with feeling like you want to move forward and it just isn't happening. Maybe you are are just feeling really frustrated in your business. Maybe you're feeling lonely and isolated. Maybe you're filled with anxiety. Maybe you're having trouble sleeping. Maybe it's about a habit that you just can't break. You can't lose weight or you, you're trying to quit smoking and it's just not happening. Well, I coach people just like you and I help you through hypnosis. I'm a certified hypnotist and I would love to have an opportunity to work with you to help you. It's a five session package for most people that have these kinds of issues. Give me a an email. Send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com, and let's jump on a call and let's talk about what I can do to help you move forward, make changes, and live a better, more contented, happier life. You can do it. So send me an email and let's get started. I have a half price offer available because I'm doing a beta launch. I've already worked with some people on this and it is just met with incredible success. So I encourage you to move forward, make a change in your life and make things happen. Now back to the show. I know that that I mentioned this before, one of your passions is to teach people to have more purpose. And, yeah. you know, we're going through this, this pandemic, we've been in it for almost yeah. a year. Do you think that is affecting people's, um, people's grip on their own purpose, people's understanding of what their purpose truly is and their ability to move forward with that? Yeah, that that's a great question, Bruce. I definitely think it does. And he said, so many of us, we line up our value, our identity and the things that we do physically. Yes. And now we, we can't do a lot of those things. Yes. You know, and so that's that it makes them question what are, what are they doing? What are they here? What are they achieving? And having a having a purpose that's um, lined up with your value system, your core values. And that is separate from what you're achieving necessarily each day that drives it. Okay, but your internal identity, your values, and that's why, you know, I honestly created this the um, power alignment blueprint is because people like me, okay, and, and I can think of one particular person that I'm coaching right now, 
um, actually, I'll, I'll use use him as an example. He's a military. You know, he's uh, many badges, many awards, and saying he's he can achieve a lot. Okay, but if he doesn't have those achievements, he's not achieving. Then he he doesn't have a lot of value. He doesn't feel that value. He doesn't feel that self worth, and that happens to so many of us. But having a purpose and having the core value where you're aligned with your authentic self, you become that person that just happened to achieve those things. Okay. Your value doesn't change. Your, your identity doesn't change per the rewards, per the accolades, per the, the roles, per the, you know, all the statuses and all those things that we get our fix from. Um, you just happen to be the right type of person to do those things because you're a hard worker, because you're a person that values other people, because you're a person that stays consistent, because you're a person that's disciplined and all those things. So when you have your purpose of, okay, um, I want, I just want to bring more light into the world or whatever else, it doesn't matter if I can't leave my home, I can still do that. Right. You know, maybe before I was doing that by volunteering at a shelter. Yes. You know, but I can still live those values inside my house. I can still live those values, that identity with my children. I can still live those values, and identity, talking to you right now, trying to give value to the to your listeners, you know. So it doesn't matter what it looks like, how I do it. I'm still living through that same source of so my purpose stays true and I'm still finding ways to bring value. I uh, want to talk to you about Black Lives Matter and mm-hmm. and about that topic. Being a Canadian uh, in the area where I live, uh, we're, we're starting to be a lot more diverse, but we're not, it's mm-hmm. not as a diverse culture as as it could be. Um, right. Now, I speak to people all over the world, so I do have wonderful opportunities to speak to people with all kinds of backgrounds and, you know, all sorts of diversity. And uh, so, you know, it's painful to me to see what black people are experiencing through through this time i mean looking back in the you know the 50s the 60s we this is black lives uh, uh month you know the focus is on black lives and and i've done a lot of uh, study and teaching about that and so what's your take on it like how do you feel about the the focus on Black Lives Matter and the focus on Black History Month and that kind of thing? Um, I think it's I think it's good to uncover a lot of the things that have been covered up. There have been um, you know stories that have been changed around and things like that, and you know throughout history. And I mean, you you even find it you know whether it be um, Columbus mm-hmm. <laughs> with the, with the Indians and yes, stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you go to school and it's like, he's this hero. Yes. Um, but it's like, you find out the details when you get old and it's like, that doesn't seem very heroic. No. That kind of seems pretty, pretty wrong, yeah. <laughs> you know? And um, so you have to be so, so careful. And I think it's good when the truth is exposed um, on the flip side, I honestly also think that just black people in general, right? My people, we have to make sure that we're truly valuing ourselves yes. um, mm-hmm. more than anybody else values us. For me, once I got to a place where I accepted and loved myself, I really didn't care what anybody else thought of me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't care if, you know, Bob from the office looks down at me because I'm I'm black. As like I I really I don't care. Like if I want to achieve something, I'm going to achieve it. Period. But at the same time, there are things where you know I have a best one of my best friends. Uh, I consider him family, and you know he can go on some of these things like Ancestry.com and do all those things, right? And there's a history there. 
and he can find certain people in his history dating back hundreds of years and say, okay, it was like, this was part of my family and gain some strength from that, right? This is part of my bloodline. A lot of black people can't do that. And so part of their identity, part of their history is, is missing. So it was like, you know, okay, did I have somebody powerful in my, in my bloodline? You know, did I have somebody, this might is like, or the only story that you tell me is that we were just slaves. Mm-hmm. And that's that, you know, then you're always, you're always fighting to prove that you're worthy of higher rank, you know, um, because that that's the only identity that they associate you with. And I think, you know, it's, we have to kind of separate ourselves from that identity, you know, and realize how powerful we are. And that's part of, you know, again, going inside and just finding your own true value and identity uh, and acceptance. Well, thanks for, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that topic, because, you know, I'm very passionate when I, when I work with other people and when I teach and, and uh, so on that, you know, I think that we just need to embrace diversity even more, a lot more. A lot more than we, we do. do. And we uh, do. I want to ask you about bullying. Were you ever bullied? Mm-hmm. Were you ever a bully? Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Yeah, I think I've I've been bullied. I think I've bullied. Um, and I think where mindfulness would have would have made a difference. Going back to the what I what I just said about when I finally accepted myself, right? I didn't care right. about anybody what anybody else thought. Right. And one one thing that pops into my mind right now, may, maybe people won't necessarily see it as bullying, but um, it was something that that hurt me and that messed with me. And it was such a small thing that some people may say. It was I was with my my older brother. We were in some um, we were like Burger King or something like that, and uh, this girl was working. And then she says to me, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, your your brother's so so cute. It's like, what happened to you? You know? And I was just like, it was like, oh, stab, stab. <laughs> you know, it, you know, and it was I it was nothing I said or could say or something like that. And um I remember somebody else that was in my grade said something similar to around the same time too. And so easily somebody could have just brushed it off. Mm-hmm. But because of my mental state, um, because of how I felt about myself, it was like, oh, okay, it's true. There is something wrong with me. I'm hideous. And like, like, why would I even think that I'm valuable anyways? Why would I even think that, you know, girls would like me? Why would I even think that blah, blah, blah. Um, and it just, it fed the beast. Um, so with that being said, I have, I have two opinions about bullying, okay? Um, can bullying necessarily be stopped? I think people, people are gonna say places, say things from negative places for, for eternity. I don't think that's necessarily gonna go away. What I think that we need to focus more on is helping our children accept themselves and love themselves so that when people say things that it doesn't have such a big impact. Um, I think when we get to the point where where we protect too much, um, we're not helping them, we're hurting them because we maybe we can protect them throughout elementary school. Maybe we can protect them through high school, but there'll be somebody at work that says, dude, you suck. Like you're horrible. Yeah, like I don't even sure. know why they hired you, you're an idiot. Yeah. And they're just like, uh, 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 what, what do I do? They never had to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a, there's a fine line. We should obviously shouldn't encourage bullying, but at the same time, we have to make sure that we're dealing with the, all the insecurities that um, seem to kind of be ramping up more. Um, all those insecurities that our kids are experiencing from, you know, social media and other things like that too, right? Seeing everybody's perfect picture. Um, and deal with that. Once we deal with that, bullying becomes less powerful. 
And granted, yeah, there's the whole fighting aspect of it. And you have bigger kids, small kids. But a lot of those bigger kids are bullying because of their insecurities. Yes, true. Right? So, but we don't really talk too much about that. You know? No. We talk about mopping up the floor instead of fixing the leak. Yeah. Um, That's true. And so that's what I really feel about bullying is that we have to deal with the, the problem of the insecurities. We have to deal with the problem that causes us to to judge so harshly especially at a, a level at elementary school yes you know yeah and teach accept acceptance that way not just stop being a jerk but hey like what's going on that that really is making you do that some of them come from horrible homes yeah. you know sure how do we help them exactly you know so yeah i, I think that's really the focus Tally, I want to ask you more about your power alignment blueprint and what that looks like yeah. and what people can expect when they start to get involved with that. Tell us about power alignment blueprint. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so again, the, the power alignment blueprint came from, like when I started coaching, I was trying to focus on, on leadership, um, honestly, and trying to lead from an authentic place and but the more and more I, you know, I dealt with people, the more I talked to people, um, you can find there's even a lot of leaders that they know the right thing to do, they know, they know the right thing to say, but personally in their own lives, the things that are out of alignment. Um, I found that I could lead people, but I wasn't necessarily in alignment. And the most powerful leader is someone that internally is one with themselves because it's going to be a sense of authenticity that you feel, the transparency that they, they can give, they can be vulnerable and be open because they're not, they're not trying to show that, hey, I'm this person or the status or whatever, or trying to get that acceptance from whoever, they're just fully, they can be fully engulfed in serving somebody. Okay, and so the power alignment system um, just comes with one going to that place where it's like, okay, I have to start paying attention to the things that I'm saying, the things that are, uh, are triggering me, the things that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to work on. And like, where do I see my life if my life was ideal? Okay. Because I can have the money, I can have the car, I can have the house, I can have the family and still feel like my life is just a hamster wheel. It's empty. It's just full of just like nothing's fulfilling and it's not a good place to be because those same people, they don't talk about it because they feel again, guilty because they have all the things that people say they should, you know, should be happy about, but then they're not happy because they know something's just not right inside. And when we start going inside and looking at those things, when we start looking at the beliefs and start reshaping, those beliefs, when we start increasing your self-value and identifying your self-image, when we start laying down your purpose and your values, and, you know, again, like I said, we didn't have to change your circumstances, right? But, but when you start shifting those things inside, not to necessarily line up to your circumstances, but to find what's the truth in there, then you can start making more sense of things. Then you may start communicating differently to your loved ones and your peers because you're coming from a more authentic place, but then you'll start connecting more. Then your marriage won't be two friends living together. It would be an actual, you can put passion into it and love into it and you can be open. Um, you know, then there's, you know, developing the right habits and things that line up with your now new identity that you've identified that you're connecting with. Um, that gives you more energy and more passion and more inner peace because the things that you're deciding to do in your life, even the small decisions are lining up with what you truly find valuable. Right. I want to talk specifically about relationships. And I know mm -hmm. I've talked to a lot of people lately that are really struggling with their relationships. Yeah. And I want to know if, you know, if that person would be a good fit for the power alignment blueprint and also what are your opinions about relationships and how we can strengthen our relationships and make things better? 
So I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Um, I got married. Uh, it will be going on on 10 years uh, this summer. And for most of that time, we had a pretty rough marriage. Okay. Um, a lot of arguing, not seeing eye to eye. You know, we brought kids into the mix. I didn't fix anything. Um, made things tougher at times. And um, last year, you know, I got to the point where I, I told my wife, I was like, look, it. I'm like, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to laugh when I want to laugh. Not, not, you know, when you think I should laugh, or I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm going to dance when I want to, and just whatever. Okay. And, um, I'm like, and I need you to be authentic. I need you to be free to just be yourself. You know, don't be who you think that I, you know, I need you to be or whatever else. Right. And I'm like, and then we need to look at, can we live with these people? Yes. <laughs> and so, um, we've made the most growth this year than we have in the past eight. Fantastic. Okay? Trying to, to fix it, trying to force it into a certain place. Um, so with that being said, sometimes when we enter into relationships, especially at the beginning, we try so much to be a perfect suitor for that person that we adjust how, how we talk, how we act, why we do things, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we have those things like, um, you know, perfect, a happy wife, happy life type thing. Mm -hmm. So the men say, okay, all I need to do is just please my wife, please my wife, please my wife. Right. Um, <laughs> we have those things where the wife needs to feel like they need to be the perfect wife. And so they have that list of what the perfect wife does and does those things. But the only thing that they're forgetting is, is themselves. So how can, how can me and my wife truly connect if I'm not even bringing my real authentic self into the marriage? You know, if I can't tell her when something is bothering me um, because it might seem too soft and I'm a man, then I'm going to hold that against her subconsciously. You know, I'm going to say things that talk around in circles that kind of hint towards it and hope that she gets it. And if she doesn't get it, then I'm going to be mad because why didn't she get it? Because I said it so not so clearly, like, why didn't she get it? <laughs> it's like, yeah. um, so it's, um, these people, they will definitely be a good fit because relationship has to become, has to come from a internal authentic place. If you want true, real, transparent, vulnerable connection. And then if you don't love yourself, like, Again, I'll give my, I lay myself at example where I used to always think that I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if my wife said something that even hinted towards the topic of me not being good enough, I didn't clean the floor well. Right. Mm -hmm. That triggered you're not good enough. Yeah. I would get, I would get frustrated, not because of the floor. I would think it was because of the four, I think because what she said to me, but it really was my belief that I wasn't good enough. Right. You know, and the things that we get, if we don't pay attention to the things we get triggered by, and that's one of the things that we address the first week in the, uh, the power alignment blueprint, um, then you can't, you can't um, take the power away from it. Okay. And that's what a part of it, uh, switching our beliefs are, you know. And so when we bring authentic selves into our relationship, when we know why we're being triggered and realize it's in something inside of us, not them, then we can show up in the relationship completely differently. We can see that person completely differently and accept that person at a whole nother level, you know. It's a big part of it. Yeah, I, I really get that. I think it's it's incredible the work you're doing to help people to Thank learn to be and learn that they are enough. We are each enough. And right. once we get that, we can move forward and we can achieve yeah. and we can be happy and we can have great relationships. And uh, where do we find out more information about Power Alignment Blueprint? Yeah, so 
you can check out the website, my website, naftalianderson.com. Um, or you can find me honestly on Facebook. I'm usually pretty active on Facebook. Um, my page, Natalie D. Anderson, or on my personal page, which is Natalie Anderson. So I'm pretty easy to reach. <laughs> okay. And I'm just going to you know. spell that for you, Mindful Tribe. Oh, N-A-P-H-T-A-L-I. Naphtali Anderson is A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. So right. check it out, naphtaliandersen.com. And I want to ask you five quick answer questions, Tally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just 30 second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Okay. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Ooh, um, I would say, I would honest, I would say Jesus. Good answer. <laughs> I would say Jesus, yeah. Good answer. Naphtali, tell us about emotions and how mindfulness has affected your emotions and how you deal with them. Yeah. Um, my emotions, my mindfulness has given me strength over my emotions because it allows me to question my thoughts and my thoughts is what power my emotions. And so if I can change my thoughts, I can change my emotions. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Oh, definitely. Um, I just actually started doing more breath work and uh, being one with my body and just treating myself as a whole. Uh, Breathing is very powerful in that. And just, again, controlling your state, your energy. um, Breathing is very, very effective. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness in some way, what would that be? One, obviously, the Bible. Um, The second one would ask, the Psycho Cybernetics, I think, is a, is a great book. Okay. Yeah, I'll put that in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. And my last question, can you share an app of any kind that can help with a sense of mindfulness or help us to be more grounded, that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, the Breathwork app, uh, which I could actually look it up so I can spell it for you if you give me, give me one sure. second. So this is one app that I've been using a lot more lately. So it's breath, B-R-E-A-T-H-W-R-K. So there's no O in okay. the work part. You can use it for free. It gives you tons and tons of different uh, breathwork exercises. Um, and they tell you what it's for, whether it be for calm or getting more energy, or something to do before you sleep or when you just wake up. Um, definitely one thing to get you right in there. Great. Great. Well, I also wanted to ask you this question, and it's not really one of my five, but how important mm-hmm. is humor in your life? Laughing and having yeah. having that kind of humor. <laughs> humor is very important uh, to me. I, I love to laugh. I was a guy that always made jokes sometimes at other people's expense. Yeah. Um, but laughing is, is extremely important, but also too, just our physiology. Um, it releases the, the good stuff in our brain it releases the good chemicals in our body that actually bring healing that bring good health um that bring weight loss that bring you know all the good juices um you know humor brings laughter brings so 100 percent, you recommend it yeah and that reminds me of another thing i know that you conquered your your weight you lost over 30 pounds tell us how you yeah. did that um I had to, I had to honestly refocus. My my doctor told me I was at risk of of diabetes and diabetes had run through my family, so I had to take it more seriously. And um, it came down to paying paying attention to proportions, but also just paying attention to my body. Um, learning learning when I'm actually hungry versus when I just want a Snickers bar. Yeah. Um, because it's different. <laughs> it is different. I agree. <laughs> so um, we don't necessarily have to eat at a certain schedule. If you pay attention to when our body's actually hungry, um, then you'll you'll drop weight. You'll drop weight quickly. Yeah. You know, and you feel better. You feel healthier. Your body's not spending so much time trying to um, trying to break down all that food. This takes a lot of energy from your body. It does. And I, I've. Uh, 
achieved that myself. I've lost about 35 pounds and, uh, and very same, you know, just really starting to notice, Hey, is my body really hungry or is that just me (laughs) wanting to do some emotional eating right now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been great to talk to you. Oh, you too, man. And uh, I just want to ask you as we close, do you have any final words of wisdom, any thoughts, any suggestions for any of my listeners out there who maybe are listening and maybe struggling with certain aspects of their life and wanting to get things on track? What are your words of wisdom, Tally? Uh, my words of wisdom is one, focus on being your best friend, focus on loving yourself and and knowing that you are in control of yourself and nobody else. And with that being said, also realize that everybody else is at a different point of the journey. And so loving them and accepting them where they are also gives you the freedom to accept yourself where you are and just know that everything takes time and just take it one step at a time, one focus, one step. Well, Mindful Tribe, I encourage you to check out the website, naftaliandersen.com. Check him out on Facebook and see what he's up to and and have a look at Power Alignment Blueprint. So thanks so much for being on the show, Tally. Thank you for having me, Bruce. It's been a ton of fun, ton of fun today. Great. My pleasure. All the best to you. Bye now. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening, for subscribing, for reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, and thanks to Erica Flint's Cascade Hypnosis Center for being our valued sponsor. Hey, Erica, we really appreciate you, and Erica is a terrific teacher of hypnosis, and I know that because I am a graduate of her program. Now, if you're a healer or a coach or a counselor or someone who just loves helping people, Consider the powerful results that can be achieved with hypnosis. You can become a hypnotist, just like I did. Contact the team over at CascadeHypnosisCenter.com. And if you'd like to work with me and break through some of those mind blocks, maybe lose weight, maybe quit smoking, maybe it's something else, I would be so thrilled to work with you. Don't put it off. Do it right now. Send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. That's bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. And we will get you on track and we will help you to move toward the goals that you've always wanted to achieve. So now take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.